Hi everyone and welcome to the Republic of Middle-Aged Men and as usual you have your three hosts, you've got myself Tim and you have Lachlan Howdy and Ruben Hello uh, I've gone for another furphy I'm just loving this ale right now I'm going to do my party trick of the old forearm open <laughs> And uh, shout out to my cousin Craig for teaching me that when I was but a young man. <laughs> and uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? What do you got, Lachlan? Uh, mate, I've gone for a uh, Kraken spiced rum, uh, along with uh, mixing with some uh, Bundaberg ginger beer. It's, it's a good time. That sounds good. My uh, father-in-law's uh, special, although he used to use the. Um, the special Bundaberg uh, Christmas spiced uh, ginger beer. Oh yeah, I and, can see uh, that working. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty magic combo, especially on a uh, yeah Christmas summertime. Great drink for the afternoon on a hot day for sure. Yum, <laughs> nice. How about you, Ruben? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, gin and tonic for me tonight. I've got a Gordon's dry gin. Uh, I know I always talk about the price, but I got a litre of it for a good price from uh, Costco. <laughs> a litre of gin. Is it cheaper than petrol? <laughs> Petrol's pretty expensive think, right now. It's it's easily cheaper than petrol. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> yeah. How about, just on that, Lachlan, how bad is fuel prices right now? Mate, if I was uh, using my car, I might be able to tell you, but... Um... I ain't going anywhere, so. <laughs> Dude, I, hit, I, I, I was like a cent shy of $2 a litre. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was on the yeah, way to work in strong. the Rexy the other day, and it was, it, was, it was just short of $2. That is rude. Mm. Mm. That's just, one of, one that's of my just mates, outright impolite. <laughs> one of my mates at work has the B Hemi 300C, and... Um, he doesn't get to use it every day because it does cost too much. <laughs> 6.4 6. litre motor, I seem to recall. <laughs> yes, it it sounds glorious too. I would have mm. it in a heartbeat. But, uh, totally. Yeah, you, you need a second job to pay for the fuel, I think. <laughs> but we've all been there. <laughs> so how are you guys coping with lockdown? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, I think it's... Uh, there'd been a few obviously announcements about a, a couple of things easing up. So uh, it's giving some people some hope sort of, even if you've got to wait a little while, but uh, yeah, yeah, got my second jab um, last week as well. So that's, that's good. All done. Wife got hers done as well. Neither of us sort of had any sort of ill effects from it. So that's good. Nice. No symptoms. That's you must be one of the first people I've spoken to that hasn't had some sort of side effect for both. Yeah. Uh, look, I took um, some Advil basically upon getting it, right? Um, I've got a friend who's a nurse and she said, just just do that and take Advil for the first 24 hours and just cover you off. So, so look, I might have had a um, like some mild symptoms or something like that had I not done that. But obviously, like, there was no sort of major symptoms for me. Or my wife, I was quite surprised. I mean, she kind of catches every bug that goes around. And uh, 
if there's a, a hint of a cold amongst the kids, you know, she'll be the first one to kind of pick it up. So I was surprised. Um, yeah, she didn't have any symptoms either. So, which yeah, was, nice. yeah, take that. <laughs> yeah, bonus. How about, uh, how about your sales lockdown? Yeah, lockdown's all right. As I've said on previous podcasts, I still get to go to work. So mm. it sort of doesn't really affect me too much apart from not having barbecues at my place. Um, but it's the middle of winter anyway, so I think it'd hurt a little bit more if it was during summer. Yeah, I think we've we've had some cracking winter weather over the last few weeks too, which for sure. And this week again, like the weekend's been miserable, but then all week it's meant to be low to mid twenties, sunny. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's all right. We we had a, um, a fire pit in the backyard last night, and. Uh, like the sky cleared up and it was pretty pleasant, you know. Kids had a good time and just kind of sat around and looked at the stars for a bit and toasted some marshmallows. Everyone had a good time. I was nice. going to ask if you did marshmallows. My kids are very big on the marshmallows. Yeah, I mean, it's they're they're big into cooking them and not not as big into eating them. You know, it's uh, really it's more the the novelty of like roasting them on the fire and then they're like here dad do you want one i was like no <laughs> you eat it <laughs> sometimes the kids get those massive ones that are the size of a lemon yeah and i just don't see the point because you can't get them warm enough inside yeah <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you mean and uh yeah I'm not big on marshmallows but like I'll, i can have one or two or something like that if we're doing it by the campfire but just the just the small ones, yeah. I couldn't do one of those yeah. big jumbo. They're, they're insane, those things, the size of your fist. So survey without notice, what's the best way to cook a marshmallow? Because I, growing up, used to just set them on fire and then blow them out, and then it's like instant. But now my wife has convinced me that taking the slow and steady approach, of just slowly, you know, rotisserie cooking, getting yep. really gooey so they start sliding down the stick by themselves. That's... sure. I think that's pretty mint, but what's what's your style? I, I would go that way as well, um, just going uh, going slow. But there is something to be said for torching that sucker and then peeling off that burnt layer to find the perfect gooiness inside, right? So the, the mm. kids like that trick. So they like setting on fire. So dad, peel off the, the crusty skin <laughs> on the outside so I can get the good bit inside, you know? <laughs> what about yours? What's the preferred method? Oh, I always used to find myself trying to get a perfect, uh, a perfect roast on all the way around. Like I'd want it to be even, totally all the way around, and it would give me. The, it would annoy me if it didn't quite make it, and I'd just <laughs> want to start again. I just had an idea. Why don't we make a marshmallow rub? You could uh, make rubs to like you know you got meat rubs. You can make marshmallow right. rubs. You put rubs on marshmallows and then cook them. They're already coated in powdered sugar. What else do you want on there? I don't know. Like, that's what I'm saying. Surely, this is a new idea. This has to be a thing. We can make this a thing. I think you I'm might sure have to... Um, it's not the best money making you've ever had. Where you burn the outside off and then you can pull the, 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 the coating back off and then, like, roll it in something. I could see that happening, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Look at us go. Solving yeah, the world's yeah. problems. <laughs> One marshmallow at a time. 
<laughs> it'd have to be something bitter like um a lemon powder like the sour face lollies or something like that like something bang talking like a grown-up i like it punched <laughs> in the face that'd be good yeah sweet as all right um i think we get into this uh book three of uh plato's republic so um i'll put my hand up straight away and i've only done one read through this week uh so i'm not as normally prepared as i normally am um, i do have my book here in front of me pages open uh how did you guys go with your prep this week did you get any time to focus on it lachlan uh yeah look i, I did about the the same as I, I usually sort of do so I'm, I'm reasonably well prepared I guess like uh, we, we could probably sort of say we uh, might be sort of going over a little bit of the, the similar sort of topics because it just kind of this book kind of runs straight on from from book two um, as I think we mentioned before like we're, we're all running off some um, different slightly different versions of the book um, <laughs> so we had ribs uh, sort of uh, running ahead in us a little bit there. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was my bad. I, I, I'm not even entirely sure where I'm up to at this point. But I think yeah, last week I, I touched on a couple of things that uh, we weren't actually up to yet. So I don't know whether you guys want to comment on those things. I remember, I remember one of them was uh, was a comment on a statement that they want their warriors to fear slavery over death. So yeah, I don't know how yeah. far, was that. So that's part of chapter three. Or I, I yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's more or less like they uh, like we finished book two and they were still talking about uh, various types of writing and then yeah they start sort of going on to this kind of writing that's going to um, instill courage in their men and um, basically want them to have that position where they're going to fight to the death um, rather than think of giving up. So that, that's that whole thing Rubes is saying about you know, have that uh, fear of enslavement as a fate worse than death. Um, so, you know, as with what they were talking about with some of the other stuff last week, um, you know, really they're just talking about sort of uh, uh, censoring, I suppose, like a bunch of classics um, where um, that kind of situation may have happened. So they're trying to sort of set this example for their guardians of this uh, imaginary city that they're creating and, um you know they want those guardians that to uh, to learn from these texts, so they want to set that example for them. Yeah, nice. I still um, think of destiny every time someone says guardian. That guy is just ruin that word for me. You just you just <laughs> got to uh, you know channel Zavala's voice the whole way through, Tim, so that. Uh... <laughs> oh, you're gonna upset some people. Yeah, Team Zavala won't will be cheering, but you know there'll be other teams that won't be happy. <laughs> I don't I reckon might, you could might. do it in the somehow. <laughs> Sorry, Hoops, what was that? I, I don't mean to shoot. I, I don't know whether I'm shooting too far ahead again, but he, he actually changes what they're called not too far Ooh. in the future. But in, in case you're not up to that, I won't tell you what it is. You'll just have to wait. I, I oh, might have missed that. that. I might have missed that. that. No, no, I think, well, I think well, it might well, be further on. Yeah, <laughs> um, so they start, so they start using the darkness instead of light or something. <laughs> 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 yeah. Ah, uh, sweet. All right, so let's let's get into it. So, what's what's the first part of chapter three here? What are they on about? Or book three? Yeah, so I mean that that was kind of like the the first sort of step into it. Um, and then they just sort of start talking about a bunch of other things about so you know related to that. It was also about like censoring particular words, um, you know, particularly relating to uh, Hades, 
um, you know, the river sticks and uh, it, things that we're talking about, like sort of ghostly apparitions and, uh, and all of that sort of thing that might weaken the nerves of their guardians. Um, and in basically anything that's kind of be like kind of contrary behavior that they don't want to sort of see in the, in the guardian. So there's stuff about like a weeping like Achilles after he's um, lost his, I can't remember who it was that he lost, but um, so there's all this stuff about like, if you're like sort of like wailing like a woman about, you know, having lost some lost somebody, then, you know, that's unseemly behavior. So we should sort of remove that stuff as well. Is that uh, when so, his cousin dies or something? I can't remember the story of Achilles, to be honest. I, um, is it Hercules or is it Hercules or Achilles that you're talking about? Achilles. 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 All I remember is that Brad Pitt movie. Right. I remember, <laughs> I remember his dropkick cousin puts on his helmet and then gets right. Well, they, they do actually kind of... Well, they don't talk about the movie in this, but the movie references that, obviously. Like, there's, doesn't he drag his body off in that movie? That's part of... They talk about that in this, where they say, yeah, basically, we can't have this hero, Achilles, be um, stealing someone's body just for money. They're like, that's not acceptable. That was another thing that they wanted to take out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I, I don't we touched on this last week about uh, stoicism, but uh, more or less that's what they're sort of talking about though like in the face of some you know um you know tragedy of like losing your kinsman or what have you as you you know fighting a battle or something that you know you know you should you know remain uh stoic because it'd be unseemly to wail like a woman more or less is what they're sort of saying um at the loss of yeah i highlighted a quote for that too like when they're talking about the goals of of shaping them they say that they want it so that the loss of son or brother or of property or anything else of the kind will hold the least terror for the good men. Mm. Yeah. He will he will least be affected by yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, sorry, and then it goes on to say, so when any catastrophe when catastrophe of any time kind overtakes him, he will lament it less and bear it more calmly than others. That's that's yeah. the key. So I know, I know that say, I know, yeah, yeah. I was going to say I know that Tim, Timmy, you get to, you, you've been read a couple of the Stoics, but I read that bit. I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty much exactly sort of a precursor to that. Yeah, Seneca, in what I've read, that last bit is the key. So his point is that as a Stoic, he kind of explains that um, it's still natural to get upset when someone you love dies. Um, but what he says a stoic should do is not weep uh, at a level that's excessive but just or, bear or it unjustified more than others so he like he acknowledges that there is a a um, not a process well, you, but there's yeah. a there, there's a there's a, a currency that needs to be expended to deal with it but to not over invest in that to, to like to have your, your your grief moment and then You've, you've grieved that move on get on with your life don't don't um you know identify as a widow for the rest of your life and let that moment mm. you know have this power over the whole rest of your life that's in, you know powerful in an unhelpful way so mm. yeah yeah I, do, I i um i wrote in my margin the next paragraph down from that bit i just read lol because they go on to say if you want that sort of stuff in plays 
<laughs> we can give them to the less reputable women characters and bad men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like we need one of those disclaimers that, you know, we, we don't, you know, the, the, the opinions put forward by Socrates are not necessarily <laughs> <opinions> <laughs> by, not by the Republic of Man. <laughs> Yeah, which I'm sure will be an issue for us more than once as we read this book. <laughs> but, um, it's yeah. Sorry, Lachlan, you were about to say something. Oh, I was just sort of saying, like, basically, they sort of get to this point now where they, they sort of sum up all this stuff that any sort of like display of weakness um, or references to the hell. And, and actually, they were talking about uh, laughter as well, saying that uh, bouts of uncontrollable laughter could lead to yeah. violence. Which I thought was a really interesting. So I, I assume they kind of talk about like mocking someone, you know what I mean, and like like laughing at someone's going to sort of lead to violence or something. Or it's just just looks like bad form, you know, like you're a jerk, you know. So you you should you shouldn't do that, right? Um, <laughs> I feel so sometimes I was that, reading Australian culture as well, like yeah, just that's right. laughing and being a smart aleck, like, like, sarcasm. Totally. I'm like, this yeah. feels really familiar. <laughs> yeah. What do you? As I was saying, like all of that needs to be stricken for the uh, for the greater good. Um, yeah. This is actually where something gets like quite interesting. Um, they start uh, they basically realize that they're starting to put in this position that they're kind of lying to these guardians of the city, and uh, you know, obviously they previously admitted like that. Lying is not really a good thing, um, but you know they're trying to achieve the greater good here. So, there's a couple of quotes I've grabbed. Um, one: uh, "Truth should be highly valued. If, as we're saying, a lie is useless to the gods and useful only as a medicine to man." Um, and then we, they sort of lead on to: um, "Then, if anyone at all is to have the privilege of lying, the rulers of the state should be the persons." And they in their dealings, either with enemies or with their own citizens, may be allowed to lie for the public good, but no one else should meddle with anything of the kind. Well, yeah, I love that bit too. Yeah. Mm. What, so, Ruben, um, what are your thoughts around, well, the first part around the whole laughter and sarcasm being problematic for men? <laughs> but then also this... I think that just points thing. to the element. Yeah. Well, firstly, it sort of just points to what I think. I think what they're pointing out there is self-control. Like if if you if you can't control yourself, like if you're just if you're you know if if you're prone to bouts of hysterical laughter, then you've got self-control issues. I think that's all that's really saying. Um, but it, but it does sort of come across as if they're saying um, like don't have too much fun. Not, I don't have too much fun now, <laughs> which, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Um, yeah, as for the the, the state, uh, the lies of the, the state lying, I, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, they're very matter of fact about it. They're just like, yeah, the uh, the state can lie. Um, my only real thought about that was um, I, I'd be against that. I don't, I'm, I don't agree with that at all. Hmm. Um, and I think that almost, I think they're almost contradicting themselves there because they're sort of saying, you know, that the, the gods wouldn't lie, therefore lying is bad. So why then would they make a special category for human authority? Um, but I, I would remedy 
I, I would remedy that to some extent by saying that there's a difference between lying and having state secrets. Like, I think a state needs to have secrets. There's certainly things that uh, that the, the populace shouldn't be privy to and, and also other countries shouldn't be privy to. But I think lying is a different... I think lying is a different category of thing. Well, I have a I have something I'd like to table here. So um, let's think to America for a minute uh, with this COVID thing. So when COVID first started hitting, my understanding is they told everyone, you don't need a mask, don't wear a mask. And their reasoning for that, apparently, was... If everyone went and bought masks, then the frontline doctors and medical practitioners all would not have masks. So they needed to buy as many masks as they could in that first short period of time to make sure that all the frontline workers and doctors and medical practitioners had what they needed to stay as safe as possible. And then they changed the message to the public, actually, you do need masks. And to me, that's an example where they're probably justifying well, we had to say an untruth or a lie at, at the initial stages for the good of the nation and then change change the message once the nation was prepared to deal with that. So to me, that's like a modern, now sort of recent example of a state doing that. And, you know, is that the right thing to do? as a state you know it was it was the american government if if that's what they did right in doing that or was that still wrong because they told a lie well i think either way there's a price to pay and um particular i'm not familiar with that story by the way so i, I can't really comment on that too much but <clears throat> just in general well, you just, have to we'll say just use, that, a, just use it as a hypothetical let's just say it happened as yeah a hypothetical. yeah so i i, I hypothetically i mean you'd have to sort of say that, um, you know, the people are going to lose confidence in a, in a government that's going to flip 180 degrees um, over a short period of time to having one stance to another. Um, they might understand the reason and the justification, but their level of trust you'd have to assume is going to get... A, and uh, I guess it would just sort of depend on how many times that may well sort of occur as to when people sort of have no faith in their government and you know so so i guess it, it's it might be a power that the government could wield but they'd have to wield it pretty carefully and you know use it rarely otherwise they're just going to come across as uh you know dropping falsehoods all the time what could you trust mm. so are, are you ultimately what, what you're suggesting is that can be justified but it should they should just use it carefully i don't know i mean it's um i, I can understand that uh there's going to be um gray lines and you know things aren't always black and white but um so i think if you're going to consider to use that you'd have to be very very careful about how you do so i don't I, all i'm saying is that uh, if you would choose to do it You'd, you, you couldn't be frivolous with it, that's for sure. Um, do I support it? Don't know. I, you know, I'd have to actually think about like the individual circumstance of whether whether it's worth it. You know what I mean? 
So um, would you agree that the argument there is essentially um, lying is wrong? But if there's a situation where there's a greater good can be achieved, that it's okay to lie? I think that's exactly what they're putting forward. Um, so, and that's a so we'd all agree that that's slope, essentially right? the argument. Well, I think it yeah. correlates with the argument they made previously where the friend asks for their sword back. But the if they're not back. in their right yeah. mind, then you shouldn't give them the sword because you're not doing the right thing by giving them the sword. So I think that's the same style of reasoning for their argument. It is you know, there's a um, by by telling telling a lie, you're serving a greater good as the rulers than by telling the truth. I think that's the intention that they're putting forward for sure. Um, I yeah, look, I think firstly, I think there's another option, and mm-hmm. the other option is not to speak on it. Like if interesting, like they don't have to say yes or no to masks they can just say it's inconclusive or we don't have a position on the best way it would be to say we don't have a position on that right now yep even if they have a position or just not (laughs) well that would also be a lie i suppose you're right but i mean there would be other way i think there are other ways around it by withholding an answer You, you could you could just flat out say um we're not going to answer that question right now and yes that would leave to lead to people sort of going what's going on here but that's then something that can be explained later um, without having to say yeah yeah we lied to you I don't know whether that would do the equal amount of damage but I think the second what, you know, I think the second issue sorry you go oh, I was just going to say I mean um, I think that would be fine the first time you sort of say that but then each subsequent time that you know you get asked at the press conference so What's, what's your issue on this? Uh, I don't have a position on this right now. Because last Ooh, time, Okay, this one's going to be guys. Get ready. Buckle up. Here we go. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah, damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Yeah, I think your initial answer could be we're seeking further advice before we release any statement on that issue. But that'll only hold... That's still a lie. Two times They've stops. already made a decision. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah, not a lie. I think it's you're saying I'm um, seeking you know, further advice before advising the public on this issue. That's not saying you have But if you've already decided you're going to use that as a diversion tactic, you have made a decision. No, but all you have to do to make that thing true is get another opinion before you say. So just call uh, doctor number five. Go to, one one doctor. Doctor. go to one more doctor. That's right. Okay, now we've got five out of five. Four out of four wasn't enough, but we've got five out of five. <laughs> And the um, but look, the other difficulty, the other difficulty I have is, um, I, I'll just put out a position, um, and you're welcome to tear it down. You can go all Socrates on it if you want, but I reject the idea that the consequence of an action dictates whether it's right or wrong. Ooh. So the, 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 the example that usually gets trotted out is noble cause mm. justice. So uh, let's say you're um, uh, let's say you're a, a police officer and you go to I don't know a crime scene and for whatever reason you know that the person has done the wrong thing, 
but then you also know that you can't prove it so you plant evidence on them so that they get convicted now you've done something that's dishonest you've done something that's corrupt mm -hmm. but you've done it for what could be considered a good outcome now I say that that's wrong regardless um, and that's probably makes it it's probably more it's unfortunately that's probably a complex example because you're then talking about judicial systems and, and blah 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 and you know how did you know they it did sounds it like a... how could you know they did it and not be able to prove it but essentially that's the simplest example I can think of off the top of my head it sounds like a story I think all you have to ask yourself is uh, <laughs> what would uh, Batman do <laughs> <laughs> no Batman's been corrupted he's happy to take the the, the blame for a kill that he didn't do. <laughs> he didn't That's do it. That's okay. That is one of the stupidest scenes in cinema. I watched it again like about a couple of months ago. We're talking about the Christopher Nolan Batman, are we? Yeah. Where he takes the. Yeah, I remember watching that and I was like, there's about 11 different ways you could deal with this better. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really dumb. <laughs> um, anyway, but. um. Yeah, no, the, am I, is that pretty clear what I'm saying? Like, if, if that, is, sure. do you think that's a defendable position that, that essentially, and, and I've got reasons why I think, um, like I've got reasons I, why I, would I, agree I think that is the case. Yeah. What's that? You, you would agree? I'd agree with you, Rubes, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And if that is the case, then I don't see how you could make a special exception for government. Well, what's the opposite? So if the outcome... Oh, here we go. He's, here comes Socrates. Well, I'm thinking, right. So if the... So what you're saying is the outcome isn't relevant to whether or not that's the right thing to do? Um, yeah, outcome consequence. Um... I think the simplest way to say is that the ends doesn't justify the means. Okay. So, but can the ends unjustify the means? So if, if you make someone a peanut butter sandwich because you see they're hungry and you try and do something nice, um, and then they die from being allergic to peanut, <laughs> right? So the outcome made the deed... <laughs> A bad deed. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a crazy I don't know one. Or what if? What if? Okay, what if that police officer knows the guy's guilty, um, but he doesn't want to plant the evidence because he doesn't want to be corrupt. So then he tells. Um, the the, uh, the the guy who is the waiter at the murder suspect's hotel that he's allergic to peanut butter and to make this peanut butter sandwich for him. Or doesn't tell him he's allergic to peanut butter but makes a peanut butter sandwich for him. And then he dies from the peanut butter. So, so he gets him killed instead of... gets him convicted. Yeah. That's worse. Yeah, but the guy <laughs> who made the peanut butter sandwich didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I think I just proved your point. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm lost I no but I just proved the point because the guy who made the peanut butter sandwich even though he killed the guy it didn't actually change the fact that he was trying to do something nice 
Um, yeah, nah. Lost me altogether. See, this is why Socrates said he didn't know anything, because when you try and use his method, you just feel like a dumbass at the end of it. <laughs> so what you were trying to do there is... So typically what you're saying is Socrates will, will take an idea and then look at the, the total inverse of it, and if the inverse is incoherent then he throws the idea out is that, is that what he tends to do yeah. I think that's part of the method but I think what I just showed is by doing the opposite it still demonstrated that what you said is correct that even if they try and do the Therefore right thing and correct. it results in them doing something wrong well what they did was like through the right heart and the right spirit and it was still the right thing for them to do in that moment knowing what they knew Which is what book one talks about, right? With people being fallible, that they make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Did um, you see, like I tried... I, what I tried to do is take your idea and look at it in the opposite outcome. So like you took a corrupt action getting a good result, but what about a good action getting result, a bad result? I guess corrupt action. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying um, to flip it so around. So what you say? Well... See, I've, I've struggled to answer that question because I've tried to operate in my own life that I would rather do the right thing and get the wrong outcome than do the wrong thing and get the right outcome. Um, but I don't think you can... But I think... I, but that's because I think my entire ethos is that uh, the outcome is not what dictates the rightness or wrongness of the of the action you're operating within principles you've established so why would you change your principles just for for one thing that you can't kind of get to the result that you're looking for because it, yeah, it's exactly. it's almost like uh yeah it's, it's like making a fraud of yourself if you're willing to put your principles yeah. aside to, to do something that's against your philosophy yeah yeah because there is there is a there different paradigm a different to look at morality um and it's What's that, sorry? Oh, we've sorry, gotten that lost deeper you. into this philosophy today than what I was expecting, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because, um, yeah, there's a different, in my in my assessment, there's a different paradigm to look at it, which, and I, I, I could be wrong, but I think there's really roughly only really two ways to look at it. And one is that, um, what, what I just described. But then the other position is, yeah, what's right and wrong is dictated by, by the end or the, the goal or the outcome so the greater good so to speak and that and by that logic it's just like well um if you can achieve more good or more well-being or whatever quantifier you want to put on it then you are justified in doing whatever um so i I find i find this i'm finding the republic a little bit odd in that sense um but i also think that might be because they haven't got to the point where they've actually um to find justice yet yeah we're not yeah, at the one exactly I, I think i said last week that i'm sort of expecting a twist to happen and it's uh i'm still kind of waiting for it because it sort yeah. of sounds like whilst they're trying to sort of set this perfect city up and perfect civilization that in doing so they're going to build it with flaws which is going to come out at some point in time so um yeah, yeah it's gonna i be mean they do compare 
I think do they, do they compare lying to um, in that sense with the state lying as a uh, as a, re- a doctor's remedy? They did. Um, they they very specifically sort of said uh, that a, a lie is use, useless to the gods and only useful as a medicine to man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, anyway. Um, so it's yeah b- beneath the actions of the gods, but uh, you know. They're men, so you know <laughs> they're corruptible. So uh, they could, they could, they can do what they like, right? <laughs> That's really funny because, like, five minutes earlier, they're saying how crap all the gods are, and that we shouldn't try and be yep. like them. And then five minutes later, they're saying, "Oh, we don't have to be at the standards of the gods because you know we're just men." <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> but, but I mean, I think they're not even sort of saying that it's the standards of the gods. It's like the standards that we're going to write for the gods because we know the gods don't have standards yeah. so frankly you know like we're just putting this message out there we don't believe it and we're within our rights as the rulers of this city or what have you to bend and twist it for the greater good if we need to because you know our morality is no worse than that of the gods it's better yeah which yeah. is you know, that's not a ridiculous statement yeah, so they um, so they sort of move on from there, and I think unless I'm missing something, they kind of move on. They basically establish that yeah, we don't want any of these things in literature, and then I think they start talking about music. Yes. <clears throat> Am I skipping too far ahead? Uh, I'm just checking if we've missed anything else. Um, <clears throat> no, I think you're pretty much there. Yeah. Um. There is a section where they talk about different types of um, literature, I think, where they say, you know, you've got um, narrative literature and you've got representative literature, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that, that went um, on think, for quite a, quite a long time. Um, they're going back and forth. And I don't know whether over, that... Yeah, whether you're sort of um, I don't know. <clears throat> uh, narrating or whether you're, uh, what was the word, uh, mimicking like a, a character in the book or in, in a yeah. in a play or a book or whatever it may well be and um that if you're doing that that you should only do it when you're doing it for basically the good character in the story um to give better emphasis to to their you know their story and whatever may well be happening um, and that you shouldn't be doing it for uh you know the evildoers or uh, you know any position where somebody's showing a behaviour that doesn't sort of fit in with those sort of uh, things we've talked about before. There, you know, whether you're you're wailing over somebody's death or whatever it may well be. Um, that's when they start to sort of talk about our friend the uh, uh, the pantomime um, operator, <laughs> which was an amusing sort of <laughs> sort of thing specifically to call out um, because they could mimic the sounds of. Uh, animals or thunder and uh you know a woman's voice or uh you know this that or the other and uh they seem to like agree that you know yeah you know what uh those guys are like really skillful they're really entertaining and uh, kids love them outlaw them <laughs> yeah that's right like, we like him but we'll say to him your skill is not yeah. without merit but this is not for us you know on your way yeah. <laughs> i think yeah. they even talk about <laughs> paying him money yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, we'll, we'll say you're amazing, but we tell them not here. for us. Yeah, <laughs> it reminded me of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, 
yeah we play all kinds of music country and western like they just have no place exactly for it right. <laughs> they're not going to do it but... yeah. yeah just try that other town just down the road a bit further you know i'm sure they'll be into it right <laughs> um, yeah. but, um i think they're yeah, it's interesting off the back of that I think the conclusion off the back of that is interesting though. Um, and I think I've written this quote down wrong, but they essentially come to the conclusion that, and, and they sort of talk about, you know, if, if our young are going to play roles and if they're going to be guardians, they should only play the noble roles and they shouldn't play these other roles because um, it's going to be bad for them. But they basically say that, and this is the quote I wrote down, um, imitations of youth continue far into life and grow into habits. And become second nature so they're basically saying um mm. we don't want them doing this because the repetition might turn into a habit which will then make them you know less uh, less less good in later life um so i thought that was that was an interesting idea i think there's probably some truth to that well i recall as a kid when the simpsons first came out parents were a bit sketchy on whether or not you should watch it and i remember my grandmother who's still with us um having this very serious conversation with me that i didn't really understand the time at all basically saying just that you know that if you watch these shows they will impact the way you think uh and it'll change your behavior and i, I was just like what are you talking about <laughs> I, had, I had no idea what she was talking about and thought it was like just old people things um, but yeah, but you know, it's, it's it's clear it's that Socrates right. thinks it does. Well, I recall being in my twenties and realizing that that was true. Realizing the music I listened to impacted uh, the way I would speak sometimes. Um, that things I watched changed your opinion. Uh, I, I remember even watching Scrubs, and um, one of the characters in that, uh, one of the main doctors, who's just what's the right word <laughs> he's just an absolute grub sometimes with the way he treats people um, I thought I used to found that hilarious and then I'd just find myself every now and then just saying a sentence that was of the same sort of nature to that guy and I realised ah it's not bringing out my best self <laughs> so it's true I think it's true what, what, what do you guys think what do you think Ruben what, what are your thoughts oh I can I can think of an instance where I've done the same thing. Um, I joke a lot at work and, um, and sometimes, you know, those jokes might be a little bit off color. Um, but I've always sort of held this idea that you should roughly be able to like, without being malicious, you should roughly be able to joke about whatever you want because like joke is a release mechanism. But then I realized I used to like that show, the office and you know, (laughs) How the main character, uh, that's the American version, I forget the actor that plays him, but he's always banging on about, um, you know, for the sake of comedy and, you know, I should be able to say whatever I want for the sake of comedy. And I (laughs) rewatched that recently and I realized, hang on, is the only reason I think I should be able to joke about anything I like because I've like subconsciously imbibed that person's character. Steve Carroll's character. Yeah. 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 You know how he comes out and he says all that really offensive stuff and, and, and he's yeah. like, yeah, but it's a comedy bit. It's a comedy bit. What's wrong? You know, I'm just trying to make you laugh. And I'm like, oh, hang on. 
that doesn't really add up. That's a joke. <laughs> the other thing <laughs> about that like show, out this joke. Yeah, the the other thing about that show on a second watch is to realise that Jim's an absolute cock. <laughs> oh yeah, he's such I an found idiot. That too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. he's actually an absolute <laughs> bully of a grub. Like, yeah, I don't know why Dwight doesn't shoot him. <laughs> 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 Like some of the pranks are funny. Like the the stapler in the jelly is a favorite of mine. <laughs> I saw Classic. that. I'm like, I need to do that one day. <laughs> I'm gonna do that to somebody one day who can take it because it's hilarious. But some of the pranks he does, man. Oh. Have you watched it, Lachlan? Have you watched the U.S. Office? Bits and pieces, yeah, yeah. Not not a hardcore watcher, but I've seen seen enough of it to know what you're getting on it. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but yeah, a, no, I, I think there's certainly some truth in in what you consume is going to have an effect on you in some capacity. Um, but the other thing that occurred to me when he's talking about imitations of youth is, um, like, you know, I've, I only know roughly from the outside looking in, like, what, what you hear about the way that monasteries work. Like, you know how they have, like, a really regimented, like, I don't know whether they still do, but in medieval times they did they had a really regimented system where it's like you get up at 4 a.m and you pray and then you go and do x and then you go and do y and it's the same every day and i think the idea behind that was that by imitation you'll continue you'll continually grow these habits which will then you know will then affect your your mind and your soul eventually um i'm just wondering if that's a similar idea you're probably right. I mean, um, <clears throat> you could probably, you know, I think we were talking previously about some of the stuff. I think Tim might've been talking about it with the, uh, you know, the kind of training, like, you know, the Spartans and what have you would have been doing. And it was just kind of like a, an ethos that kind of just infiltrated the way that they operated in their psyche. And it was just kind of probably that repetition that just kind of formed that in their, their brain, the, the way that they would operate um exactly like you're saying groups like just that regimentation there um, yeah yeah a lot of guys yeah. talk about that now even that repetition builds momentum and um that's 100 percent right yeah i mean if you're trying to form a new habit i mean that's that's what you got to do is repetition to to sort of get in yeah absolutely get that sort of uh steamroller rolling so um yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely merit. At any rate, Socrates' conclusion out of it is that basically men should not, uh, men ought not act as women, slaves, or madmen. That was my note. <laughs> is it all women, or or was it bad women? I can't recall what my translation. Oh, said. I don't know. I just, I just thought it was a, no, I think... an interesting. It was interesting that they kind of just threw like women in there uh, uh, next to slaves and madmen. I'm like, oh, that's not so acceptable these days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my grand loaned me my grandfather's Bible for a few months and I took some photos of it. And there was a part where Paul said something about women being silent in the church or something like that. And my pop had circled it and written, oops, in the column. <laughs> <laughs> they cracked me up yeah that's that sounds like one john yeah 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 i just thought it was very funny my pop like <laughs> he must have written that 40 50 years ago he just wrote that oops, <laughs> oops. 
Oh dear. All right. Um, yeah, so I think at, at that point, yeah, they go on and start talking about. They're like, all right, well, now we're done with with poetry and, and, and literature. Now they start talking about music. Yeah. Look, well, I, a, I really follow it. it. Yeah, it was that was the, the music bit is pretty hard to follow, but. Uh, well, I think the conclusion uh, off the yeah. back of it is basically it comes to the conclusion that simplicity in music is the parent of temperance in the soul. So he kind of comes mm. to this conclusion that uh, mm-hmm. behaving like sim- whatever type of music they identify, I'm not entirely sure, um, is going to affect the temperance of the soul. That that's kind of my takeaway. There's some yeah, truth I, to I that. think they would. Yeah, I, I think they were, they were trying to find like uh, some militaristic sort of uh, strings of music that would stir the soul and like, you know, make you sort of swell to greatness in those moments that you needed it. And they wanted to get rid of some of the music that would uh, basically encourage drinking at the pub. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it was kind of like... Melancholy. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, this sort of like a lighthearted sort of... Um, I don't know, like a, almost like it's like frolicking or something like that. It was kind of the way they wrote it. So it's like, get rid of that stuff. That's got no use whatsoever for these guys. So. <laughs> but Tim, you were saying you reckon there's some truth in that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, as you know, I'm very moody. And I also have a very broad range of music that I listen to. So when I read that part around simplicity in music, I was like, man, this, these guys never heard jazz Jazz doesn't make you angry. <laughs> jazz, jazz makes you calm. Jazz makes you relax. But and it, it's definitely but not it's also dis- That's right, and it's also discordant at times. Mm. Well, you guys both love yep. your jazz more than I do. So, I mean, yeah. do, you, do you feel that Socrates is wrong about this? That simple structured music is coming? For sure. It's um, it's really interesting too. Like he like calls out flute. He's like, like flute has no place in our town kill it you know like i'm like that with harpsichord i can't stand the sound of a harpsichord (laughs) i thought you were going to say bagpipes i think yeah well you know there's something to be said there but uh no there was some like some certain um uh, sort of harmonies and things. Whoa, whoa, that whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I was halfway through swinging a beer and you just bagged out bagpipes. What the hell? <laughs> Come on, man. Did you ever hear corn? Did you ever hear corn do bagpipes live? Oh. I'm not a corn man, sorry. I'm not corn fan. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to send you a link. It will change your mind. Bagpipes can rock, they can be awesome. <laughs> All right, I've defended bagpipes. Continue. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, ha- I have heard a couple of instances where they might have been all right. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah. you're the voice with John Farnham, right? That, that was great. Yes. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think he's like kind of trying to call out some um, specific sort of harmonies and uh, things like that. It was really hard to follow some of that stuff, but but yeah, I think anything that wasn't like like very um, very structured and, um, and and simple, and I just sort of thought that's going to be such a hard thing to enforce in a society because, you know, if this is only constrained to your city and your town, you know, what happens when your soldiers go to another town, right? You know, inevitably you're going to get like some kind of exposure to some different sounds. Huh, you know, this, this place has got some really unusual music. I kind of like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because 
there's something about music that even if you're not into it, you can just hear something and it just hits a spot in you and resonates. And I think that would be true of any age that you would have come from, whether it's now or two and a half thousand years ago. And, you know, you just hear something and go, that's really cool. You know, like, I like that. It'd be bang, yeah, you know, more, like, it's more I just can't sort of, uh, yeah, it's a, you'd have to think it's going to be a really hard thing. And like, particularly because, you know, musicians by their nature aren't people who put boundaries on themselves. And um, I don't know. I just think it, it, it'd wind up, it, it, you'd have to wonder if you'd end up with this situation as like a, two and a half thousand years ago, if you're having an underground jazz club in uh, Athens or something, right? <laughs> because these muses are getting together, they've got something they want to get out of them, you know? And it, you got no to um, turn that into a movie script somehow. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hot Athens night. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Socrates, so flute. Yeah, starring John Cleese. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you guys read that there's a percentage of people when they hear music, they can fully get like goosebumps and stuff from it? Hmm. Um, I know that's true because that's me. There's there's music that if there's a particular couple of songs that if I hear it at a certain point, every time I will get goosebumps on my arms and shoulders. I just feel feel the music. It's a weird thing. Um, are either of you like that or you don't get a physical reaction to music I don't think I get anything sort of uh, physical about it but uh, certainly I mean it's definitely like a mood enhancer though right I mean um, you know there's some things that it just um, it'll pick you straight up as soon as you as soon as you get it but uh, yeah, no, not sort of like hairs on the back of the the neck sort of stuff, or uh, it, not not for me anyway. I, I'm a big music guy, but yeah, I'd, I uh, I would envy that I think because uh, it's it's, it's kind of like good, but it's also weird. <laughs> how about you? <laughs> I, I wonder about music because you know how there's different types of language, like you've got language which is pure information content, like A plus B equals C blah 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 but then you've got persuasive language which doesn't necessarily have to have that information content but it's persuasive and that, that's called rhetoric right um i wonder if music is basically pure rhetoric like it's pure persuasion without the without the information content in the same way um i think that's a really abstract way to to describe it <laughs> Um, and that's that's a thought I've had for a couple of years, but I've never really explored it. So I, I don't know whether that's a reasonable way to look at it. But I, I do sometimes wonder if, yeah, music is just pure rhetoric. Uh, unless you're playing the record backwards and hear the devil. Oh. Yeah, well, that's where you get the dialectic content. Yeah, that's where you get the information. Like if you want. To... <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been to a jazz bar with you before, Rubes, and that was magic. Remember that one with that that old dude who would like. Chance at it was his a, piano. The jazz three piece, yeah, the piano. Yeah, that was mad. And a yeah, set of drums. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Yeah, I was feeling that there, man. It was that was awesome. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, I feel for these guys that are getting kicked out. <laughs> well, these these are uh, fake guys. They're getting kicked out of this fake place. That's right. <laughs> but um, I think I think the 
lessons of the music are basically the same as the other period um yeah as a literature because i think they, they didn't put music and literature in the same category anyway Basically, they yeah. did, and um, <clears throat> more or less, I think they sort of said the, uh, the 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 words to the music would fall under the same sort of categories. So, you know, they'd be censored in much the same sort of way, as far as the content went. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, cool. uh, where did you where did you end up your reading this week, guys? Because I, I like I think I blew past it again by accident. Yeah, that's okay. We, we we can sort of stop there. I reckon that that's that, that'll about do it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm happy to stop there too. Sweet as well. Um, that was good. That was a good conversation. Um, we've got another good little conversation to do before we wrap it up. So let's head on down to the pub for lots of us and uh, <laughs> insert jingle, which I still haven't got done. But. Uh, all right, so our topic for the pub for lots of us. So uh, through the week, I came across some news online, which I wanted to talk to these guys about on the show, uh, which I shared with some other family as well, which I found very concerning. And the article was not from a well-known news source, so we had to find more information about it. But essentially it was saying that scientists have managed to make a half man half monkey embryo is that the right word yep so i wanted to talk about that i I, I wanted to talk about the like how's that a thing um what do we think you know i've (laughs) I've got a a quick into uh, ancient greece for you here if you want to have it oh okay go so um yeah, so this, this is the start of a, um, a, uh, an article written by The Guardian. So uh, they quoted, um, When King Minos of Crete was given a magnificent bull by the sea god Poseidon for a sacrifice, he could not bring himself to kill it. In anger, Poseidon enchanted Minos's wife, uh, Pasphae, to be filled with lust for the creature. And the result of their trans-species mating was the bull-headed monster, the Minotaur. <laughs> so start talking about uh hybrids of humans and animals uh from that point on which uh is called a uh was it a chimera yes well that's the word they use in the article so it's human cells grown in monkey embryos oh, which is an ancient Greek word as well. debate yeah 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 so i think the, the, the reasoning for this, I understand, is, well, I don't think they want Planet of the Apes. I think what they're trying to do is figure out a way to grow organs for humans without using human embryos, by using monkey embryos, but then pumping yeah. them full of human cells. I don't understand why that's more ethical than just the alternative, because I don't think either are ethical. Um, but yeah, <laughs> this is this is a weird thing, and I just wanted to talk about it on here because I thought it'd be interesting. We're working through philosophy and these different ideas, and this is so what, a bit left field. What would but... you say? I mean, you just said you just said that um, it's un- unethical. Well, what, what would you say is unethical about altering a monkey uh, embryo? <clears throat> I think. 
that's the right question um and what at what point isn't it so let me let me see if i can get my brain to catch up with your question so the the first part i would say is where are we getting the human cells from and where is the monkey embryo coming from uh, so there, there is a bit of question about where that uh, the human cells come from, and it sounds like this is uh, like leftovers from IVF uh, sort of situations uh, at times. Um, and there was some question called out in this Guardian article about whether people, if they knew what they were being used for, would actually be okay with their genetic material being used in that manner. Um, oh, and you'd have shit. To... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, I don't know. Uh, like, there's no sort of like specific accusation about that, but they're just saying, like, that is an ethical question that needs some pondering. Imagine getting that email um, from ancestry.com in like 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're linked to this half monkey thing. <laughs> you mean or, Uncle or... Kong? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Kong. <laughs> that's awesome. it's alright or it's like this This John Doe died we don't know who he is but his liver is definitely related to you somehow and a monkey <laughs> yes Funny it's enough, scary too, um, this stuff has actually been uh, going on for some time um, because they've been trying uh, they've been doing this with uh, rats which unsurprising because they're always used in, in labs um, and they were, I think, able to get, um, I don't know, some human cells to survive in, in rat whatevers. But rats are obviously a, a small creature and unable to uh, grow an organ that is human-sized within them, right? So they moved on and they've been experimenting with pigs for a while. Right. Um, a pig's a bigger animal. They were, they were trying to grow, I think, a... Uh, like theoretically to be able to grow like say like a spleen or something like that um in the pig that would be with uh you know human thing just for the spleen not not within the rest of the pig but just like to be able to culture this this thing within the pig um, and what they found is that uh humans were too distantly related to the the pig like our um, yeah, on the tree yeah yeah our paths diverged too too far apart and so the, the human cells wouldn't survive in the pig. And so that's why they've gone and said, okay, well, let's try this now with, with monkeys because they're a bit closer to us um, <laughs> in, in, in sort of history. So that, that's where, uh, yeah, that's where they're coming from. Um, yeah, so I was watching the BBC video on YouTube. I'll, I'll try and remember to put the link in the description for this episode. Uh, and they had a scientist person on there and they were asking her like oh what's going go with this and like oh yeah we kind of really don't know what we're doing like um you know if, is the 50% human the part that's you know the brain of the monkey is that then you know ethically wrong to do this or you know is the 50% just for organs we don't know <laughs> no I mean like it was just I was like what <laughs> was like, hey, let's throw together and see what happens that, that was a hypothetical question I'll put to him because no one's actually yeah. doing is, is what was clear to me. Um, Allegedly. Well, well, yeah, yeah I'm right. with you but there, man. What, yeah. There, there is some, and like you can still say that this is unethical, but 
um, what they're doing, they're not growing or inseminating into any animal to grow it into an animal. They're just using it at this point in time, right? To study this cell development. And then when it hits, I can't remember what it was. It was like 28 days or something like that. Um, it can't be 28. It has to be 20. It can't. We can't yeah, have 28 days later as a series. Days. And then we're doing tests at 28 days with apes. <laughs> no, it can't be a thing. No, I think they are saying because that's when the nerves or something connected or something or other. So there's some right. There's some line ethically that has been drawn at some time in the past that sort of says up until that point in time, it's okay to study the genomes or whatever it is. And after that, it becomes unethical because you're allowing the gestation process to continue or something like that right um but there does seem to be some like some good discussion that they do want to discuss the ethics around this situation because it's developing a lot quicker than where the ethics are at so the ethics have to hurry and catch up to what's happening with the science that's very similar to robotics and virtual reality yeah same with i don't know if you saw this week maybe it was last week uh, with Elon rolling out with the uh, Tesla robots. Did you see those? Yeah. And it, uh, it was just smacking of uh, iRobot already. <laughs> and it was like literally like building the example from the, from the movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, we got like Planet of the Apes on this story. We've got iRobot <laughs> happening on the other story. We're doomed, you know? Yeah, wasn't, wasn't the Elon Musk one where he's like, yeah, yeah, I've built a robot, but he's really easy to break, so you don't have to worry about killing you. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that roughly he, But he's full saying? paranoid. He's full paranoid about AI, though. So Yeah, which really surprised me, to be honest, that he was developing this because he's been quite outspoken saying that uh, humankind's running towards AI, like, way too fast. Um, yeah. We're going to... We're basically building a, a machine that's going to outnumber our intelligence too quickly yeah i was watching an update yesterday on robotics and ford are making a delivery van that comes with a delivery robot they're starting to develop that and so the robot hops in and out of the back and carries the parcels for you to your door um, and there's other companies so you know how you've got the boston dynamics dog that they use at spacex yep. and other places so there's other companies now making their own robotic dogs and they're saying that within 12 months um, you'll be able to buy one for the price of the top of the range iPhone for like 15 to 800 bucks. This fully robotic dog that can move it up to, I think it was 12 miles an hour. Um, and if you go for like a run, it can run with you. It can see obstacles and move around them and not get in the way. It'll be like 2000 bucks. For a fully autonomous robot dog thing to run around with you like it's it's coming very fast it's coming very fast and they're talking about delivery jobs and warehouse jobs and truck driver jobs all those jobs disappearing within a generation um yeah it's, it's different yeah i mean look this stuff's obviously happened in the past with things like the industrial revolution um but they just happened so much slower and i think there was a, a a time where people could reskill and uh um yeah but just because there was that kind of time frame you could see things happening you could see things coming and you could start to move away or move towards something else 
Yeah. Um, it seems like things are moving very quickly now. But I don't know. Maybe that's what they thought back then as well, like how quickly yeah. things were moving. Yeah. I'm not sure. I want to come. I want to come back to Ruben's original question around the ethics. Mm. Um, uh, I've sport. I spent a bit of time on this. So, like, here's a here's a question. I don't know if it's helpful, Ruben, but um, if if you were as a scientist wanting to see what happens if you put the two cells together is there any landscape where that's ethically okay um and and so i'll put forward a an example so right now we're using um embryos that no one wants combined with monkey embryos to make this thing this experiment happen you know and, and i'm sure that his people would say um you know, human embryos are sacred, they're life, you shouldn't do that. Um, so, you know, could you use discarded human cells, such as nail clippings, to do the same thing, if there was a way to do that? Does that then mean it's more ethical, less unethical, okay, or still equally unethical? I would personally think probably equally unethical still. What, what's your thoughts? Well, without having given it too much thought, just off the top of my head, I, I, I tend to agree. If you're using um, if you're using embryos, using life, I, I, I fall well on that side that, you know, that's unethical, you can't use that. Um, but I, I think, like I said, just off the top of my head, if you're using this, what you just called discarded cells, you know, like skin cells or even... Uh, blood samples or, or whatever um, discarded cells are, and you want to do things with that I in principle don't have any issue with trying to combine that with um, the, the DNA of, of other animals I, I, I can't off the top of my head see anything wrong with that mm, how, about, how about you Lachlan I guess um, <clears throat> I've got more concern I guess about just where it takes us um you know the experiment that they're sort of starting with um is is harmless enough but i mean what's the point of doing it if the end game is to i don't know breed half human monkeys to harvest organs from like if, if that's what your end game is the ethics up front make no sense anyway because the end goal you're trying to achieve is unethical. You're so right. What, like so if, why why even start? Yeah, you're right. Like it, the so question would you say it's unethical? Then, would you say it, are you saying it's unethical to have, let's say hypothetically speaking, you can breed a monkey with a human heart and when it comes time to needing a human heart for a human, you just kill the monkey and take the heart out. Are you saying that that's unethical? Provided that monkey I don't know. is cared I mean, for until the point of death, I think like the question they've got is that at what point, when you've included some human genetics into a creature, does this become that you're essentially trying to harvest basically something that's part human? And you mm. know, if you've got a problem with oh, killing yeah. your fellow man and you're killing a, a creature that's part man at what point do you feel squeamish about that if it's one percent you probably yeah, don't feel too squeamish about it 
Yeah, um, see, I think I'd agree with that. Just just out of pure like playing it safe, I think I'd have to just say it's got to be zero percent. Like anything above zero percent, and and you you talk you're in trouble. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard to say you, you're going to have like some, like unless you're a vegan, right? It's kind of hard to say that you got some principles against animals. I think being used for uh, for food human or human purpose, right? Um, well, you're, you're exactly right. Because I was thinking, you know, is it ethical to breed monkeys to take organs from? If they were just monkeys, not... Let's say we find a new species of monkey on some island in the Bermuda Triangle that we never found before. And miraculously, their livers, you know, Work are compatible with ours. Hallelujah. Because, yep. you know... <laughs> then, you know, is it right to breed a crap ton of those monkeys and use them for... Well... You know, a lot of people, I think, instinctive, instinctively, their immediate reaction would be, no, you can't do that. But then when you point out, well, I eat bacon twice a week. You know, how many yep. how many pigs am I responsible for dying every year? I eat eggs almost every day. Yeah, leather Steak. shoes. Yeah, like, we do this. So, is the line mm, yeah. the human genetics? And then, you know, the evolutionists will say... Well, we're only what five percent different. So if we're introducing fifty percent us, now we're only two and a half percent different. So we're arguing over two and a half percent. Like, it, it's very difficult to know where the line is. I think. Which is why I wanted to talk about. Yeah, it. I think you can um, have a look at what. Sorry, Ruben, I was just going to say. I think you can see um, the difference you're having from uh, that small percentage, though, um, when you look at what men does and creates versus monkey right so <laughs> so i think the small percentages are worth arguing about i i agree with that um i off the top of my head as you were saying uh the instinctively most people would have a problem with it instinctively if you had monkey organs that worked with humans i would have absolutely no problem with breeding them to use the organs just off the, like I, I don't have an issue with that but i i totally agree in, with what you're saying in terms of percentages um but i would um reject the premise that you know how you said like oh the 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 difference between human and monkey dna is a small percentage or whatever i i I think i'm roughly saying the same thing as what lachlan did i would reject that premise i don't think that that is a valid comparison like because but that, that's because i would reject the entire evolutionary paradigm in sense in the sense that because we have similar building blocks therefore we are similar i don't think that's true i agree um, with you i'm i'm saying what the evolutionists would say yeah yeah but no i agree um and i i think that's soul right that's the the spirit um or, or conscience uh, consciousness well, you know, it could... I think even more simply than that, that's like saying if you take <laughs> bricks and you build, I don't know, let's say you build a, a furnace or you take bricks and you build something else, say a dog kennel, that's like saying those two things are a certain percent the same. It's like, no, just because they have similar building blocks, those bricks, doesn't mean they're the <clears> same thing. It doesn't even mean they're similar. So purpose defines them perhaps it's challenging 
this is good this is good fun though <laughs> this is uh the type of philosophy i enjoy <laughs> <laughs> i call this is definitely pub philosophers philosophy <laughs> yeah. well that was a good chat um so i don't think we've ended anywhere conclusive um maybe we have do we agree that it's not for us i would agree um yeah the 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 splicing of the human dna into the animal uh yeah i'd I'd be against it yeah because i i just can't see uh an end game that i'm going to be happy with so why do it at all (laughs) yeah i yes i think that's just i think that's one other sort of weird Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I was just saying, one other weird thing, though, like, you know, let's say, you know, they did sort of harvest a liver or something in a monkey and transplant it into a man. I don't know how cool I'd be with that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you may wind up with a bit of, like, monkey genetic material getting into the human gene pool as well. I know like they're sort of saying they're trying to create this human genetic material inside the the monkey as a vessel right but i don't know i mean you'd have to worry about you know if you're going to accidentally sort of like wind up with a you know uh maybe that vestigial tail is going to sort of uh turn up on one of your kids <laughs> later on or something you know i don't know you, you i have really no idea whether your, it works that way but <laughs> you wouldn't take the chance. <laughs> Imagine no, the shoes you'd have to buy. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think you'd want to uh, pollute your gene pool with a, the chance that, and I'm, I'm obviously tongue-in-cheek about the vestigial tail, but, but um, yeah, but, you know, just inputting something into your gene pool that you shouldn't be there. Yeah. By accident. <laughs> and science happens right so however it you got know. in there yeah. however it made yeah. its way in there you don't want it no nah, i don't need that well that anyway, was fun thanks guys yeah I, th- I think we're all on the same page um so we'll wrap it up so um yeah thanks everyone who's been listening uh we'll catch you next week and uh remember the republic of man wasn't built in a day and neither middle-aged men so uh, have a great week and gentlemen Thanks for joining me. All the best, guys. Speed on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.